Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Let me tell you a story about a woman and a man. Maybe you will find familiar. Maybe you won't understand. The man's thing I don't remember. He was always so to me. But I can't forget the woman. She was always Christian. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today, talking about the song Christy Lee, whoever that is. Christy Lee is the eighth track off Billy's ninth studio album entitled An Innocent Man, released August 8th, 1983, and is an homage to Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. Christy Lee, like our last podcast song, Careless Talk, was released only as a B-side off the single The Longest Time, which was released March of 1984. The song, Christy Lee, describes a narrative about a saxophone player who has his heart broken by a woman he falls in love with, whom he later realizes is only interested in him for his saxophone skills. <laughs> a tale for the end of time. Elon Christopher Bonanos, New York Magazine. Where does he put Christy Lee out of 121 songs? Well, something's got to be at the bottom. I'm just going to say 121. <laughs> I'm even going to say that's just rude. This is not the worst song I've ever heard, but it's 74. <laughs> oh, man. He kind of liked it, huh? Well, here's exactly what he said, because it's kind of interesting. Plus, the odd thing is it's also one down from last week's Careless Talk. They're, <laughs> so, they're always together. Those songs are just always it together. It is odd. And like, uh, yeah, if, we did, if you didn't know, folks, it's the next song from Careless Talk on the album. So he says, yeah, it's dated, but come on. If you were reading gossip columns in the heyday of page six, the Christy Brinkley songs, of which there are several, are pretty nearly irresistible fun. So he doesn't hate this song. Uh, Glenn Gamboa from Newsday ranks it as 81 out of 124. So he likes it less. But he says a sexy good time filled with double entendres and Jerry Lee Lewis styled piano riffs. The fans Give it a little bit more juice. They say 66 out of 121. That's one below baby grand. Elon, your thoughts? I don't know. This song really doesn't do it for me. I feel like it is a wooden performance. Is that a mean thing to say? Nope. I've heard the demo version. You've heard the demo? Elon, this, the demo version is leaps and bounds better yes. than what became the actual produced album version. I don't know how that happened. The demo sounds great to me. And I actually, I like that song a lot. And then the album version to me, it just feels kind of dull. I don't like all the Christy Lee, Christy Lee, Christy Lee, Christy Lee in the chorus because in the demo, it's just sax solos. Okay. So here's the thing. I I'm you're exactly where I am with this as well. Now I'm okay with the song in the verse. When it first starts, I like when it goes, you know, but one night before the last song, about a quarter to three, you know, like I like the way that works. And then as soon as you get to, he made his move on Christy Lee. 
Christy Lee, Christy Lee, Christy Lee. It's like a, <laughs> it's like this is the, it, this is Billy Joel. And according to this song, he's the worst lyricist that anyone's ever seen. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, again, what you're saying, the demo, folks, if you've heard it off the My Lives compilation, it's so much better in so many ways. It's a true homage to Jerry Lee Lewis. It's much more Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. So you can actually see it. This one just doesn't do it. And Elon, you're a little young. So I, I think a lot of our listeners will know, do you know about Cheers? And do you know what I'm about to say? Because this is what it reminded me of. No, I don't know. All right, then I'm going to play it for you now. In the television show Cheers, Woody Harrelson did this legendary song for his girlfriend called the Kelly song. And this is exactly when I heard him say, Christy Lee, Christy Lee, this, this was it. I'm just going to play it for you, okay? Your smile is so lovely, your hair is so clean. You make me feel that the whole world is mine. Kelly, 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 Kelly. <laughs> Because you're Kelly, 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 Kelly of mine. I mean, Elon, is that not? I mean, is that that's as soon as he said, and I had forgotten the song because I, you know, once the album came out and I listened to it once, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to hear that anymore. Well, once he just goes, Christy Lee, Christy Lee, Christy Lee, Christy Lee. All I could think about was Kelly, Kelly. And they really came out about the same time. Uh, 83, 84, that's when Cheers was doing this. I I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> I don't know how you're dating the hottest girl possibly on the planet. And this is all you got. And you're Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, I right believe this chorus. Is the, Come on. Yeah, I believe this is the reason they got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> No, they weren't even married yet. She could have called the whole thing off. Um, it's not the first time he's done this. We did the song Bye Bye, that unreleased song, where the chorus was just Bye Bye. So he likes, sometimes he just likes to say the, the title of the song as the chorus. Yeah, and that's 1970. It's his first album. You know, I mean, you can forgive a lot on that. This is his ninth album, and he's he's got nothing but Christy Lee, Christy Lee, Christy Lee, and we all know what it is, and it just sounds, it's just not good enough for Billy Joel and his greatness and his amazing lyrics. I mean, this guy, the reason, again, we do this podcast, his melodies are like nobody's business. His arrangements are amazing, but his lyrics are just as good. There's nobody that's not going to a Billy Joel concert that's not singing along to almost every song. And this ain't one of them. Yeah, I feel like this has too many lyrics. I know he's trying to tell a story through the whole thing, but there's a lot going on in it. And the double entendres, which are a big part of the song, to me, don't go far enough. You know, one of the best things that he says, he says uh, he packed his alto and took it home with Christy Lee. The man could blow an educated sax. The man had the power to perform all these kind of I don't know. I want more. I want it to be even sexier. Really go overboard with the saxophone metaphors. Well, that's the other thing, too. You're clearly writing a song about Christy Lee Brinkley. Why don't you just make him a piano player? Are we really that fooled that it's not about him? <laughs> He just wanted to use the, like blow. He wanted to be like, remember that time when, uh, you know, you know, Christy, I can't say it to the folks. We'll pretend it's a sax. But remember when I did that blow thing that you uh, apparently didn't like and then said, just play music for me instead. 
Well, Elon, again, you were able to see the Cheers thing I was playing, and the girl that he's playing it for looks just like Christy Brinkley. She's a little softer, but she has blonde hair, blue, you know, just exactly like Christy. And, 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 it, and you didn't see the end of the song after he finishes. She goes, he, Woody, that's his birthday gift to her. And she's like, so Woody, where's my actual gift? And I, that's all I could think about when I was listening to the song is that Christy Lee is sitting by the piano and he goes, hey, baby, <laughs> I wrote you a song. And she's like, oh, my God, this is my dream. This is why I'm dating Billy Joel. And then she's like, but would we really want to put this on an album? You know, <laughs> like after it's finished, what do you think? Well, I <laughs> <laughs> maybe track eight, like the end of the album. I would be uh, I'd be a little upset if I had heard all these other songs and honesty and uh, don't go changing everybody's favorite song. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, I was listening back and I think I did it again the other day uh, with one of the songs. I <laughs> said something else that wasn't the right name. If I was her, I would be rather insulted by this song. It's not good enough to f for me. The, the, the picture in my head of her sitting there just watching him play the piano, which, quite frankly, I would fall in love with Billy Joel. I mean, can you imagine him just doing a, a concert for you at your house? I don't know anybody that wouldn't be okay with that. But if I was dating a girl like Cheryl Crow, I always picture Cheryl Crow is the perfect girl for me to date, right? She's age appropriate. She writes beautiful songs. I absolutely love her. And she and I know all the songs she's written that are amazing. And if she wrote me a song like this, I'd be like, I just, you know, it's good. No, it's well, you don't like it. No, no, I'm just, it's just, it's just that I've heard some of your other work and I, I just thought it would be a little bit more special. That's all. No, no, yeah, but it's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you're, I'm thinking about when I hear this song. You're right. It's not it's not a masterpiece. It is fun to listen to. Look, I like I like Great Balls of Fire. I like Jerry Lee Lewis. I like Little Richard. Those kind of songs are fun and exciting. This besides the demo version doesn't have that level of excitement that it needs. You're so right. And the demo version is even better because at the end, when he's yelling out stuff, second ending, second bridge, that even make they I, they should have left that in because that's exciting. It took a while for him to notice second ending. Yeah, it's so cool. Like in the middle of this recording, he's like calling out instructions on the fly and the, everyone's doing great. The sax sounds fantastic. It's fantastic. And I, I don't know what happened in between the demo and that. Did you see the video of him, you know, coming out for the Charlie Daniels band and he plays Great Balls of Fire, which, by the way, I don't know whether you know, but he did a version of Great Balls of Fire with the Hassles. It's I didn't the, know that. It's the B side of Traveling Band. So this is a song that he seems to enjoy playing but that video when he was you know came in with charlie daniels first of all folks if you see it it's on youtube it's billy joel and charlie daniels and he is the shortest man that you notice that right, right i was gonna say he's how tall is charlie daniels like six four the entire band must be six foot four it was like he was walking onto the nba court and you know, he's where he looks cool. He's wearing his leather jacket. He's wearing his innocent man outfit, I guess. Uh, the see, it's a uh, post nylon curtain, probably into innocent man. And he comes in and he plays not energetically, probably the worst version of Great Balls of Fire we've ever heard. 
where he's even staring at them. Is this okay? You know, it's like, it's just no fun. I thought it was pretty good. It didn't have the energy. You want to see someone's doing great balls of fire that they're kicking their stand out from underneath them and they're going crazy. And, and he, was, he didn't really go crazy. I know what the word is uninspired. That's the way I felt that particular version was. And he only plays for what of it? 10 seconds. <laughs> they bring him on. They applause. And then he leaves. He's like, he's like a, a red Fox in that show that he did where they, they play him on. And then he goes, I'm not playing for four people. And they just play him off. <laughs> We would like to welcome to the stage for his first trip to Volunteer Jam from Long Island, New York, Mr. Billy Joel. Yeah, I was surprised. Like, you have Billy Joel at your concert. Why only have him do one short song? Well, and also, what was with that other piano player who came in behind him and started playing the other piano? Like, Billy Joel can't handle it himself? Yeah, it's like Paul Schaefer used to do that on Letterman, and he said, no one is allowed to use my keyboards. This is me. So anybody that comes here and plays, they have to have me play the keyboards. But he made exceptions for Billy Joel, I believe, and Steve Winwood. And he Fair let enough. them. Yeah, right, right. All the right ones. Uh, maybe that's what that guy was saying. Like, no, I don't care who it is. This is the South. Screw Billy Joel. I'm coming and I'm filling in what Billy's leaving out. He doesn't understand how Southern rock works. I'm not letting some Yankee touch my keys. <laughs> That's exactly right. It was like when you watch like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony sometimes, and it'll be a band that's changed over the personnel a lot. And so like they'll have the original lineup perform, and then you'll have like a second drummer to the right who's like the guy who drums now. And so he's doing all the hard work, and the original drummer who's like 85 is like just hitting the cymbal a little bit. Exactly. Also, the weird part is, and it's funny when Charlie Daniels goes, you know, this guy from Long Island. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he has no idea where or what Long Island is. And he says, Long Island, New York. I'm, Long I'm doing Island, it like New York. I'm, I'm saying it like the senator in Godfather 2. But uh, you know what I'm talking about. And the question is, like, you know, why are you playing? If, if it's an unfun version of Great Balls of Fire, why not just play only the good die young or something? You're playing you're with the guy that goes, the devil goes down to Georgia. The devil went down to Georgia. I mean, like, why not play something more? exciting and fun from your entire catalog well i think if it's a southern rock kind of crowd i feel like they hold jerry lee lewis in high regard you I know guess, he's sort of the, he's sort of the king a, of that but it's an uninspired performance so i would say i'd go with one of my i mean only the good die young seems like a good tune for a southern rock crowd yeah maybe but i don't know they want to hear a cover of a classic song that, that charlie daniels band knows how to play who can play only the good die young only billy Joel. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not hard at all. I have no idea. But I thought it was a good performance. I, I think you're being a little too hard on it. But even I watched. There's also obviously videos of Jerry Lee Lewis playing Great Balls of Fire. I watched one of those in preparing for this, and I thought he would get a little crazier. And he was also pretty subdued in his own performance. I agree 100 percent. I thought it was going to be different, too. I saw that also. I, yeah. What happened to kicking out the piano stool? Maybe because it was like on a TV show. He was being very. Uh... That's when you get it. Let it go. That's how Elvis made his bones. Well, apparently Jerry Lee Lewis likes to follow the rules, except when it comes to marrying his 13-year-old cousin. Exactly. <laughs> now, as far as live performances go, uh, not Great Balls of Fire, but... Uh, well, let Chris me just guess. Never? <laughs> it's not except, a never. Except in 1984? No, not even. He's played it once. Christy Lee has been played once live in 1987 in Australia. Think about that, Elon. This is the song he wrote for his wife, girlfriend, and it's a song he never plays. How could she not the whole time be like, are you going to write me a real song or what? 
Because that's the way I would be. Wait, you don't even play the song you wrote for me? Because no, it's between us. He's like, look, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, just between you and me. <laughs> so why would I? Yeah. <laughs> well, he has a history of doing this, as we know from the song All My Life, which he wrote for his new wife, Katie Lee, in 2007, released it on Valentine's Day, had a concert on Valentine's Day and still did not play it live. And again, that's why Katie Lee broke up with him because he's like, she's like, this is all I get. This is your first song in 20 years. That's that's it. This piece of crap. Are you kidding me? I'm out. But I think one reason why he probably didn't play this live, if you think about it, there were five big hits on An Innocent Man. And when he's doing a concert, he's got at this point eight or 10 albums to choose from in the 80s. And he's got to pick a little bit from each one. You can't go much deeper than five tracks from the new album. So Christy Lee is always going to get left out. It's true, but most people, and Billy Joel is not most people, most people always cannot wait. We've talked about this before to play their new album and the cuts from it, or even if it's deeper cuts, they just, you know, I mean, how many times have everybody's been there where you see Paul McCartney and he's like, here's something off the new album. You get the golf clap and you're just so angry, <laughs> <laughs> and, but he's really good about it too. He usually plays one song off it and then he goes back to the hits, but. Billy Joel is the absolute exception of you want to hear his new album. It's a goddamn miracle. I mean, he really is the man. Yeah, I could hear him play anything. He should do one of those tours where he just goes through each album like in full, like Steely Dan does that. They'll go out on tour and just say, here's Aja. I know we were talking about, I guess, when we were doing Baby Grand, we were talking that I had seen recently Stevie Wonder play only the album songs in the key of life. And certainly the who has done that with yeah. Tommy and stuff. So, and here's the weird part, Elon, and this is why, I mean, Billy Joel is such a, such a strange guy in a, in a sense of there's just nobody like him because he's so many hits. He could complete, you know, why you're playing the garden once a month. Why not just say, Hey, we're doing street life serenade tonight. I mean, he, he, I guess he would feel people would be disappointed, but of course you're only playing the album. That's 45 minutes. And then you play the rest of the hits. Yeah, that's what the Who does. They'll do Here's All of Tommy, and then they'll play 45 minutes of, of all the other hits people want to hear. Right, and as long as you set it up six months in advance and you yeah, everybody knows the tickets they're getting, and if you said this month we're doing this, this month, I mean, this is the way Billy Joel could keep on going. Like, let's say people just started not going, which apparently is never going to happen, but if they stopped and things dwindled, then he could say like, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to do albums and sell it that way and then do the hits. I mean, this guy can, he's just going to be there forever until he drops dead. Yeah. He should do gimmicky song lists like that. Like this week we're doing just the songs I've written for my ex-wives. But that's, the, <laughs> but that's the amazing thing. He doesn't even need to. No one cares. The, the Eagles, the who, all these people are using gimmicks. He doesn't even need the goddamn gimmicks. It's fascinating. Yeah. People just want to hear him no matter what he plays. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of our show. Do you have a good stumper for me this week? I have a trivia question. <laughs> I'm sure you can figure it out logically. All right, here it is. After writing this song for Christy Brinkley, that is who it's for, right? I'm just kidding. That's what, that's what I've heard. Uh, no. <laughs> After writing this song for Christy Brinkley, they subsequently got divorced because this song was so pathetic as an homage to his wife. Sorry, I couldn't help myself but to get that in. My trivia question is this. Since he was obviously thinking about his next wife at the time by writing a crappy song, how old was that wife, Katie Lee, at the release of this song? Okay, I can figure this out. 
I can guess at least. Um, he married her. She was very young, two thousand six ish, two thousand seven, ninety six eighty. Was she not born yet? No, she was. No, born. she was two. Two. She was two. She was two or three. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much got it right. I think she, when the song was released off the B side, she would be three. But yes, I think when the album was released, she was two. She was conceived to Miami twenty seventeen. <laughs> Is that no? No, she'd be conceived to something off the nylon curtain. Maybe her parents liked something from a couple albums earlier. <laughs> they weren't so hip. They were listening to the brand new Billy Joel. But. Wouldn't that? Right. But it, wouldn't it be funny if she was conceived during an innocent man and they're like, well, we're going to name her Katie Lee because we love the song Christy Lee. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Oh, that's so funny. My parents named my named me after your song. I'm going to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if because she was two or three and so she didn't know the song and he's like, hey, I wrote a song for you. It's called Katie Lee, Katie Lee, Katie Lee. She's like, oh, my God, I love it. You do? <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, because she, she didn't do the research until the, until the day that she's like, my friends told me that song already existed. They went, huh? Uh, this is awkward. Are, are you going to cook something or are we just going to sit here? He's like, here's all the ways these songs are totally different. You see, here I say Christy, and here it's Katie. Clear. I mean, look, I'm a musician. Trust me, this is not infringement on my prior song. It is kind of weird marrying a Christy Lee and a Katie Lee and not living in Georgia. Or yeah, who, who has that? It's a, such a strange middle name to have. All right, Elon, what do you got for me? I think I have a pretty good one this time. Christy Brinkley was the first model to appear on the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue in three consecutive years, from 79 to 81. What other model also appeared on three straight covers after Christy Brinkley? I feel like it was Elle McPherson. Yes, it was. Yeah, I, I know all those old Sports Illustrated magazines. <laughs> yeah, you do a, a lot of research for this question. And I believe Christy Brinkley got another one. Like, a, I think she was on four times. You know, she had three in a row. And then skip a year. It's like the Yankees. You know, they they win three in a row and then they'll skip a year and then they'll win another World Series. Yeah, like Grover Cleveland, non-consecutive. Just like Grover, just like President Cleveland. You're absolutely right. But the record is Elle McPherson. She's been on five total times. Wow. But yeah, it makes sense. If you're talking about Christy Brinkley and Elle McPherson as the New York Yankees, they they are the New York Yankees of their profession. <laughs> And I and you know that kills me to say that. I wonder how um so Elle McPherson was on the cover from 86 to 88. And you know, Christy Brinkley probably came into the bedroom one night and like Billy Joel's like hiding it under his bed. Like, oh no, what? I'm not <laughs> looking at that. I swear. Oh yeah, well then how come that song called L is like 10 times better and everybody loves it and they demand you to play it in concert? What? No, no. That is about L fanning. Uh, <laughs> the three-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I'm just kidding. I don't like three-year-olds yet <laughs> yeah, give no, him 20 I mean, years can, and i'll marry them he actually said during the nylon curtain he's like billy you should get married and he'd be like hey just, my wife hasn't been born yet <laughs> hey right fellas <laughs> high fives all around <laughs> do you think that in the story if, if this is semi somewhat biographical that maybe there was a situation between the two of them where he tried to impress her with his sexual prowess and then she was like, uh, you know, I'm kind of more into you just for the music. And then eventually he wore her down. I'm pretty sure that's what everyone thought, you know, in Christie. I mean, that's why it was such news 
but there's not any woman in the world that's not saying I could see that. I mean, look at the songs he writes. And can you imagine sitting there playing the he's playing the piano for you? I mean, that's sexy. How could he not have thought? Oh, come on. I know if I wasn't a musician, that's why he, he writes this. song. I think it's biographical for sure. I mean, I think in his mind, he's definitely thinking, oh, come on. You know, where, where, where is a girl like this going to like me if I'm not a musical genius? But that's not what the so the song is saying. This guy thinks he can that she likes him for uh, you know for his looks, and he takes her home, and he fails basically. So it's it's sort of like anti bravado. It's like every guy thinks like, oh, I'm gonna that Christy Brinkley. If I ever got with her, I'd show her a great time. And Billy Joel's like, I tried that. It it didn't work. She just likes me for music. Yeah. Well, I don't. You know, I just I mean think that's what everybody was thinking. I mean, it's a you know you I think you could fall in love with somebody just because they're an amazing musician. There is something that pulls at your heartstrings when you hear some genius playing, you know? This is why musicians always do very well with the ladies and vice versa. Do you think Steve Miller from Steve Miller Band ever got a lot of ladies? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? That's the thing. People like that, even a guy like Steve Miller who had multiple hits and when you, I mean, Elon, you know, I mean, you don't, you got married, but being a comic when 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 people again guys or girls when people see you on stage commanding an audience that is sexual so there would be no reason to believe that anybody you know especially somebody like billy joe wouldn't be able to get whoever he wanted but there is something extremely you know magical about commanding an audience i mean if you were sitting there and making that entire audience laugh who's not being like this person is unbelievable i guess you're right yeah. I bring up Steve Miller because I always think of him as a well, not very attractive rock star. <laughs> I love talking about Steve Miller because Steve Miller made his money and got out of the business. You got to love that. I like him because he started so young. He was playing with big names when he in the 50s when he was like 15 or something like that. He he really spanned a long period of time. Wait, are you sure you're talking about Steve Miller and not Steve Winwood? Yeah. Okay. Because I know Steve Winwood started when he was 15 as well. I didn't know Steve Miller started so young. You're talking about the guy that does like fly like an eagle and abracadabra, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I guess that's why he was finished and he just kind of left the business. He's been back recently, I guess. I guess they all come back because they just want to play, but you know, he hasn't written anything new. Well, he's had some, I mean, his greatest hits is one of the best there is out there. Yeah. It's really terrific. So for this week's weird Alan parody, we are doing, I don't know if I should tell you this, the title of the song or just let it happen. What do you think? What do you like better when it's a surprise or when it's I like it both sometimes because I enjoy playing the cricket sound. If you have a really crappy title, like uh, what was the flan one again? Caramel flan. Right. So that's an interesting, funny one. But I also enjoy the surprise. So let's go that way today. OK, let's do it as a surprise. I was working in a nightclub and when I finally got home, I saw my kid at the table. He was crying all alone. Oh, shit, it was his birthday. I forgot he's turning three. So I looked into the freezer and pulled out a Sara Lee. Hey, now. <laughs> it was a layer cake frosted with chocolate. And it was freezer burned and missing a few bites. But the kid still wanted to eat all of it. His little face was so happy when he blew out the candlelights. So the moral of the story, if you're a bad father like me, when you're at the supermarket, make sure you grab a Sara Lee.
I have misplaced my pants. I like the surprise. I was glad I was surprised. I like it. I actually thought you were just going to call it Katie Lee and just, you know, and just be like, <laughs> she was working on TV, cooking <laughs> things to put inside your belly. Yeah. Like, yeah. This one's just called Katie Lee. So, but yeah. I love the Sarah Lee. She was 40 years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could have gone either way, but I enjoyed the surprise today. I am a fan of Sarah Lee cakes, by the way. If Sarah uh, Lee is listening, we want free cake, please. Everyone is a fan of Sarah Lee cakes. It tastes uh, like, remember astronaut ice cream? I do. It's kind of like that. It has that stale, good, but bad thing going on. Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason I used to like Tang. I mean, it was like the worst orange juice you've ever had, but Tang, it's like Domino's pizza. I love Domino's, but I don't can when I want pizza, I'm going to get pizza. <laughs> then I say, but because people are always like, why do you order Domino's in New York City? I go, because sometimes I just want Domino's. I don't know what it is, but I like Domino's. Yeah, that's how I feel with uh, like Elio's, one of the like a frozen pizza also. Sometimes you just want that shitty frozen pizza from your childhood. Exactly. Sometimes I want a can of macaroni and cheese, not the actual good macaroni and cheese, like not just the box. Sometimes you need the can. You like those different flavors, they're even as bad as they are. I like how the box is the classy one in this scenario. Sometimes you don't want to go with a fancy box, so you'll well, just have the can. When I first said it, I was thinking of like if you're in a restaurant, they make you good cheese. But then I was thinking, I really do like that craft macaroni. I mean, everybody loves craft macaroni cheese, but sometimes you gotta have the can. Chef Boyardee. How's Mrs. Boyardee? I also could have made the song Boyardee. It oh, also rhymes. Damn it. That would have worked too. Get a can of Boyardee. <laughs> Well, folks, that was Christy Lee. If you like our podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars and a nice review. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Tell us, did you prefer the demo version? Were you like Dave and did you immediately think about the Kelly song? And do you think Sarah Lee should sponsor us? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. 